Once upon a time, an evil queen banished every storybook character you've ever known to our world. Who knows the truth, and who can break the spell? You don't play with a curse. I don't understand you're not going to kill me. Run. You not only lied to her, you lied to me. What are you saying? That we shouldn't be together. It's been 24 hours since Catherine went missing. Have you found anything? I need you to come to the sheriff's station with me and tell me everything. From your Pretty Friend Productions, welcome to Storybrooke, Miserably Ever After, hosted by Elaine Paramore and Madison Manuel. Welcome to Storybrooke, Miserably Ever After. I'm in my pajamas today, Mads. And I wear a bathrobe every day of my life, Elaine. <laughs> I like how last week we were like, oh, we're going to start like meeting in person together and getting dressed up for this. And I am in pajama bottoms and a tank top. And yeah. Uh, my work, I since I work from home, my work uniform is usually a bathrobe. I work from work. <laughs> I <laughs> so you hate can't it. Do that. I cannot do that. They will not let me. Um it is the worst. I'm so sorry to hear that. I did survive COVID uh, vaccination round two. Oh, good. I slept for like two days straight, um, just in time for my husband to get his shot. And he slept for two days straight. Oh, I See, I got off real easy. I, the night I had my second one, uh, I was really thirsty and kind of fatigued. And then the next day, I couldn't even make a weak excuse to skip work. I don't get off very easily. Um that's why I'm always thirsty. It's the SSRIs. Huh. Luther had like too, too actual, blue. Yeah, that was it was funny to me. Okay. Luther had an actual fever and like chills when he got his second one, but uh, as of, oh as of today, that's his two weeks. So we're all we're all fully processed in this house. Uh-huh. Little baby marshmallow is going to have some antibodies protecting them if all things go according to plan. I can only assume that in a few weeks, that means that uh, I get to have a birthday party. You get to have a birthday party and you get to see how pregnant I am. I get to see how pregnant you are. I get to see uh, our friends, uh, Lauren and Caspar, who are both vaccinated and their baby. Yay. And no one else. It's really... I- <laughs> I, my husband asked what I wanted for my birthday and I was like, it's been a year. I haven't seen anybody. Let's, um, let's have a, let's get together with like a small number of vaccinated people and play tabletop games. Yay! Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, that's, that's where I'm at in life. And that's the, that's the evening of festival. So we're gonna have some good background music. Oh, right. Festival. Saturday evening of festival. It's another virtual one for us this year. Yes. Virtual festival international. Okay. Before we begin, I will need to bring up the wiki entry for (laughs) this one. Um, And by the wiki entry, I mean Elaine's write up and also the wiki entry. So what happened was I normally like we normally watch the episodes twice. I watch it once to actually like pay attention and observe. And then the second time I watch it and take notes. And um, right off the top, I'm going to say this is my favorite episode of the show so far. Ooh, It's a good one. It's really good. It's really strong. And now I know when it was that I got obsessed with the show because last night, immediately after watching the episode, I watched the one after that and the one after that and the one after that and the one after that. And I have 
just about finished the season and I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. I'm out of time to rewatch the first one and take notes. And they've all blurred together yep. because this is the first real episode of really the the remaining season art yes. so yeah i have some i have some continuity notes on their own storyline once again for this episode because Good. again they don't watch their own shows they don't have their own outline to show when each person was during big events and um also it is obvious that emma needs more actual officers at that sheriff station because yeah. she is so lax about responding to reported things like yeah like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna jump in real quick when mary margaret comes into the office and says hey i just saw david wandering around in a daze in the woods i think he's in distress she waits until ruby comes back with lunch and then decides on a whim i guess we should go check out david in the woods I mean, that would be my response as well, um, because I'm an eater. I would need to be browbeat by a 10-year-old into actually doing something. But Fair. I'm not a sheriff. You're not a sheriff. That's not your job. I'm a social media person. That's right. Who works in a library. I've been drawing pavement markings for four days straight. So <laughs> I have been uh, putting together a presentation on why we should stop paying for physical billboards and use that money to buy Hootsuite um, <laughs> because the places where we put the billboards aren't places where we have a high density of library patrons. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and also, they're really expensive. They are. We got one once for a week for our, our big improv troupe, and that yeah. was a large chunk of our budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big chunk of our budget. We have very little money to spend on promo each year. And over a third of it goes to billboards. And it wasn't even like a billboard that was up all the time. It was one of those digital circulating billboards. So we had like 10 seconds of airtime yep. uh, that rotated every, you know, every, so every 30 seconds our ad popped up maybe or 60 seconds. I don't know. We stood outside that billboard like all night one night and just waited for it to pop up. Yep, we do great. the same thing. Um, and I'm like, hey, how about instead of doing that for two of our big programs, we do Hootsuite, which comes with, uh, they're not sponsoring us, but I'm going to say the package we would be getting uh, is marked down because we're an educational institution and we get $2,000 of boost buy Ooh. across all our platforms a month. And that would go a long way for a small nonprofit organization like mine. Yay. This episode, again, not sponsored by Hootsuite. In fact, I've just been reading about it for the last, in fact, I don't know, I would like to point days. out. I would like to point out that this episode, this entire show, is not sponsored by anybody but us. It's only sponsored by our free time and, um, well, that other thing that you and I both need to survive. Attention. Yeah. The yeah. attention of our of our loyal listeners. I, I, I just saw a thing, the other the thing earlier that was like, yeah, I'm like Tinkerbell. I need a little bit of attention to survive, at least at all times. yes okay so i think we should probably get into it i would like to point out i'm not like tinkerbell from this show because i don't remember if she shows up i'm like tinkerbell from like classical story tinkerbell clap clap or else i'll die i'm uh like jeb bush that one time i'm just thinking about how bi i am for um red sorry 
Oh my God, she's gorgeous. <laughs> oh my God, like everything she does. Her smile. Her smile, her huge, beautiful smile. Doesn't matter which incarnation she's in. I'm here for that smile. Uh, well, I guess because I'm non-binary, it's gay no matter what, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So shall we? Let's shall. Here's the basic plot. In Storybrooke, Emma still can't figure out how David is absolutely telling the truth about not making any phone calls to Catherine the night she went missing despite there being proof otherwise on their cell phone records. Down the street, Granny and Ruby have a disagreement about rules, regulations, and work responsibilities, which leads Ruby to quit her job in search of adventure. After some aimless job searching, Emma hires her to help out around the station, answering phones, fetching lunch, and eventually even helping with cases. Ruby discovers she has an innate sense of tracking when she easily finds an unconscious David in the woods after Mary Margaret reports having seen him dazed and wandering earlier. After Dr. Whale says that these fugue states could be a result of the coma he'd suffered and he could be surprisingly lucid during these days spells, Emma asks her to use her keen sense of discovery to see if he'd maybe gone to the toll bridge and left any clues there during one. Unfortunately for Ruby, she very successfully finds a box buried there containing a human heart. And also, unfortunately for Mary Margaret, her fingerprints have been found inside the lid of that box. Scared by her unknown talents and resolving to do work that brings her joy, Ruby returns to the diner to apologize and ask for her job back. Granny immediately accepts and confesses she only put so much responsibility on her so that Ruby could own and run the diner when Granny inevitably retires. Once upon a time in a snow-covered forest, Red and Granny had a tense wolf's time as Red's love for a local blacksmith's boy, Peter, clouded her judgment during the most dangerous week of the month. After taking in a fugitive Snow White, going by the alias Mary, Red confessed that she and Peter planned to eventually run off together, but could not until the monstrous wolf was taken care of. When an entire hunting party was slaughtered two nights before the end of wolf's time, Despite Granny's many warnings that this wolf is no ordinary... I wrote this sentence. When an entire hunting party was slaughtered two nights before the end of wolf's time, despite Granny's many warnings that this wolf is no ordinary forest animal, but a bloodthirsty killer that it was better to hide from than hunt, Red decided that her best chance for a happy ending would be to track the wolf during the daytime and kill it while it slept. Their tracking led them to discover wolf prints that merged from huge wolf paws into human boots and led straight to Red's cottage window. Having made the logical conclusion that this meant that her beloved Peter was somehow unknowingly the wolf, Red and Snow traded hoods so that Red could sneak out to warn and chain Peter to a tree for the night keeping him from murdering anyone else. And Snow wore the bright red hood to bed to trick Granny. When Granny discovered that Red was not wearing her red hood and was out at night during Wolf's time, she revealed to Snow that Peter was in grave danger because Red was the wolf. And the red cloak was enchanted to keep her from transforming as long as she actually wore it. Although her own curse had since lifted, Granny herself was turned into a werewolf when she was younger by Red's grandfather. And Red's mother had been the previous werewolf, killed by a hunting party when Red was just a girl. Unfortunately for Peter, Snow and Granny arrived entirely too late to save him. 
And while they were able to sedate Red and get the cloak on her to change her back into her human form and hide her from the hunting party, Red discovered the hard way that her plan to save Peter was his doom at her own hands. His doom! Okay, so was this episode written by Angela Carter? I don't know. Um, Just because I feel like Wolf's Time, based on how we keep talking about how it's it is it it's the feels, week of the full moon it feels like a metaphor like <laughs> a little bit but like a really lame crass one so well, maybe not angela carter well at least at least in this there is actually history of a male werewolf as well that's who turned granny so it's not just something that women do i'm just like sitting here listening to that like listening to this and thinking back to this episode and i'm just like oh no there's definitely uh, some period metaphor going on Oh, I get it now. I just picked up on Peter and the Wolf. You just picked I mean, I said Peter and the Wolf. Yeah, and before. I was like, why why is she why I don't get it. And then when you read it in the thing, I was like <gasps> I'm the dumbest moron who ever lived. It's a it's a what is it? It's a it's an opera or no, it's a symphony. It's a classic symphony. It, it it's fallen out of favor, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I will it's say okay. this episode was actually written by Jane Espenson, our friend from Buffy and Star Trek, I think it was. The one who wrote the other episodes we didn't like? Yes, but she's been on a hot streak lately because she's written some we've really enjoyed, including this one. Good for her. And, you know, we know she has it in her. Yeah. We've seen she can do good stuff. And also the last ones that we panned, Cough Cough Dwarves, was not written by her. No, no, it was not. The worst one, no, the worst one yet was still Rumpelstiltskin. Um, yeah. The weirdest one yet was not her doing. So good job, Jane. <laughs> good, uh, good work. Where, where do you want to start today? Uh, I kind of want to talk about, I know we led with the storybook section because I yeah. know there's a lot of meat there. I just did that for the big reveal in the basic plot. That's all. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's the only reason we can start wherever you want, because you're leading today. I am leading today. Let's get the um, let's get the old story out of the way, the fairy tale story out of the way. Oh, man. Um, so we can get into the main plot. Um, we have the bloodiest episode so far. Bloodiest episode this, so far. This is what they were saving their blood budget for. That definitely. Now, I really liked how they did a lot of um, uh, obfuscating that there was lots of blood on screen by doing everything they could to make sure all the scenes with blood were at night so the blood is black and like, I don't I don't know that morning whenever they find the hunting party killed you can clearly see that one dude is missing an entire limb that was rough I was like that, wow that was like game of thrones level bloody I was not expecting that yeah neither um, neither was snow slash mary yes uh, I really enjoyed her saying, uh, call me Margaret. No, Mary. <laughs> Frosty. Frosty. <laughs> Your name is Frosty? <laughs> no. My name is, my name is, I am hiding out. Yeah, I like, I like Margaret. Ew, no, Mary. <laughs> so I really, really enjoyed uh, everyone's performance this episode. Just overall, everything was like really tight. Oh, yeah. The story was really, really well done. The fight was really believable. Uh, it's still not clear how old Red is supposed to be to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to guess just because she can get into bars that she has been stuck at like 18 for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. 
18, maybe even 20 because she's close enough to get booze. But if Granny's overprotective, it makes sense that she would be keeping her almost spinster daughter home. Not granddaughter home. Uh, I would say, yeah, maybe she's a little older if the Granny is... is planning to retire and training her up to run and own the place she might be she might even be 21 so she was buying drinks for um what's her face who just had a baby yeah she was buying drinks for she was uh, buying drinks for ashley so she may be 21 and it would make sense that if this is her only surviving relative and she's unmarried that she's still being you know she's an unmarried woman she's being protected by her grandmother yeah so it would make sense this was just uh I really enjoyed the arc of the Granny Red Plot. I enjoyed all the fake outs. Um, yeah. I knew that it was red all along because I've seen the episode before. Yeah. But during the episode, I think they did a really good job of planting some, you know, like some red herrings. The reasonable that, doubt. Yeah. Reasonable doubt about anyone, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when it when she assumed it was Peter, my brain was like, no, stupid, it's Granny. <laughs> Oh, is Granny um, no longer turning into a wolf because of her age a metaphor for the menopause? I mean, I guess. Are we? Uh, She's still we just... got her senses, her keen sense of smell. Yes. Um, she got her keen use of bow. Oh my goodness. She is such a good, she's got a crossbow. She, Granny, I love the line from, from Snow. Your Granny's kind of intense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're not really like breaking this story down in order so much as no. like talking about the things we liked. And I'm, we, I'm really feeling that. We, we broke the story down in the basic plot. Yes. <laughs> I mean. Um, I do the, think it's worth noting that the makeup for Granny's bite. She mm-hmm. says it's a bite, but they look like claw marks. Oh, it's a gash because she rolled away. Okay. Get out. So it, he bit her. And when she rolled away, it, it tore and gashed her arm. And then he, that had marked her and he came back for her later and t- c- completed turning her. Um, I watch a lot of Ask a Mortician on YouTube. Don't ask me questions why. Um, because I'm morbid. And I feel like I take issue that these are not realistic wounds as someone that has had a lot of bite gashes on <laughs> a much smaller scale. Yeah. Isn't that right, Willow? Oh, hey, bad girl. Bad girl. <laughs> I love that little monster. Willow is one of my cats, and she is very small. Um, much smaller than all of the other cats. Which and she, she hates. She makes up for it by being mean. Yeah, we love her. I love her, too. She loves me. Yes. I'm her favorite um, Which I enjoyed the slow build. I felt that the entire story had, like, a, like I mean... Probably some of the best pacing, if not the best pacing. There were stakes to it. And like, you could tell that Granny's stakes were obviously higher than Red's stakes. Because again, Red is so clouded by her her crush, her requited, thank God, love for this dude, that her stakes are high to her because yes. she's searching for that happy ending. And she's being cheered on by Little Miss, I can't get a happy ending to save my life. So um, I'm going to encourage you to get your happy yeah, ending. But Granny's yeah. stakes are so much higher. It's obviously it's obvious that she has had a run in with this wolf. It's obvious that she wants it, she doesn't want the wolf to kill anybody. She just wants to keep Red safe. In the in the first time we see Granny and Red together, actually, Gran, Granny calls her from the room because the hunting party's at the door. 
I just thought this was interesting because it was a little bit of foreshadowing that I missed the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Granny calls her into the room and immediately chides her for not wearing her cloak. And Red responds, what, you just wanted to make sure you could see me? Because the yeah. hunting party's at the door. Yep. And that's just this tiny bit of foreshadowing mm-hmm. about it. And uh, I thought that just, was... Just a really well-crafted storyline. It was a nice little breadcrumb. And it does it does probably help that... Um, this, this is probably a weird one to just... This is my favorite, but mm-hmm. it is um, like my favorite fairy tale. Oh, okay. Like from childhood. Oh, I've I love always it. loved the, the story of Little Red Riding Hood. And like as an adult... I um, I got really into retellings of it uh, when I had a project in in undergrad for my creative writing class. Uh, I wrote <laughs> I wrote three different reinterpretations of Little Red Riding Hood Ooh. in different settings. It is just I don't know why it fascinates it. me so much. I get it. Um, but I love that, and uh, I love this one with the wolf being. Uh, inside her all along and and the danger being from within rather than from without. I think that's a really modern Mm -hmm. way to approach that story. And um, like I could go into a whole dissertation on the number of queer people I know who are obsessed with stories about werewolves for a lot of reasons, but you know, (laughs) yeah. Uh, You know, but growing up, you and little red riding hood is like my family and Peter Pan. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just one I've just always been fascinated with. Plus, I mean, just the imagery is always great. You know, you oh. always have a, you always have the woodlands. You always have that just iconic red cloak. Which, oh my god, her red cloak is so well done for the I, the show. I love that. I love that like red damask cloak. I love her outfit underneath it too, which mm-hmm. also has little like red rosettes on it. Her soft makeup just transforms her face between red and ruby. Yes, and um, this girl is breathtakingly gorgeous. No matter how you dress her up, it's it's like absurd. Like <laughs> she's yeah. just like absurdly pretty. Like she has the kind of looks that make me mentally ill. She has like, this. <laughs> the, she has these like strong features. Like she's got strong cheekbones and a strong jaw, and she just has the ability to make everything so soft and pretty. And I love everything about her so much. And she's so tall. She's so tall. Every time you see her next to another character on the show, it's like the first thing that pops into my head is like, she big. And she wears heels. Yes. As Ruby all the time. <laughs> she makes herself taller. I love it. Her but I just love like seeing her at the counter and like she's like towering over that counter. And I'm like, I love her. Mm-hmm. I want to be her. This is Ruby Appreciation Day. This is Ruby Appreciation Day. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, oh, and can we talk about how cute her love interest is? He is so adorable. He's precious. I just like, I just, no, no. And how he reminds tr- me, he, okay, I could not remember his name during the episode, so I was mentally calling him Hot Podrick. <laughs> Speaking of Game of Thrones references, because he looks like Podrick, but like hot. Yeah, he's, he's, he's cuter Podrick. But he does have that same quality about him where he's just trusting and just yeah. wants to be the best version of him that he can be. Uh, yeah, I get it. I see that. I appreciate that. I love Padre. Shame about his gruesome off-screen death. 
dude i feel and you so... just see the, the the bloody mess and the foot and i'm like, like oh my god this is the one this is the episode where uh spoilers mute it for the next 15 seconds uh this is the one that makes me saddest for when they all get their memories back yeah but i i think she I, i'm not going to talk about it too in detail but like i said a binge watch the next episode and right at the beginning of the next episode they show her once again uh as red and she like right away rips off the cloak to go mess up some guards so i think she makes her own peace with that okay as that character okay i haven't watched that one yet i haven't watched that one yet because i get confused between episodes if i watch them too many at a time (laughs) i didn't mean to do it i just got so into it and i'm like and it's a it, it was i just could not stop I'm, I'm sure Luther's going to be real excited wherever we uh, get into the better habit of recording every week. Mm-hmm. Um, to still release, do, don't get your hopes up. We're still going to release every two weeks, but we got we to gotta create a backlog for when this uh, this baby comes out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think Luther's going to be excited that we'll get to watch more than once, one episode every two weeks. Yes. <laughs> well, also, uh, we also had to record late this week because of a bevy of reasons, including uh, me being on COVID shot brain. Yeah. I was so disoriented from that. Like, I highly recommend if you can get the shot, do get the shot. Just make sure you do have some time and space to recover, um, especially if you have Moderna. I had the worst case of just, like, dumb brain. I tried to go into work the day after, and I sat at my desk staring into space for 20 minutes trying to remember, is the program called Virtual Storytime or Digital Storytime? Oh, And I could not process how to figure that out. And this is my program that I've been doing twice a week for over a year. (laughs) We got, we got, we both got, oh man. I know. I was just like, my brain does not work. I should go home. Yeah. I probably shouldn't drive. Yeah. It's like that time that I got stung by wasps, took took two Benadryl, and then you had to come pick me up from dance class because I got yep. woozy. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, um, I like the resolution. I liked Granny's revelation. Uh, the acting when when Ruby when Red realizes what she's done oh, God. is so well acted, and it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. The poor, regret of Mary of Peter. Yes, I just feel so bad. I want to. I want to point out how loving and trusting this dude is. That when his girlfriend comes to him and says, "Hey, I think you're a man-eating wolf. I'm gonna chain you to a tree for a night so you don't kill anybody," he's just like, "I'll show you how to do it, so I can't get out." (laughs) We're gonna use chains and not rope. Good, good, good knowledge for a boyfriend to have. Well, she was like, she was like, I know where to get, we can run off together. I'll be with you forever. I know where to get rope. And he's like, not rope, chains, and I'll show you how to do it. And I'm just like, oh, and of course I have seen the episode before and I'm just like, no, no. (laughs) And again, I'd seen it too. And I was just like, maybe this time they're going to make it. No, it's, it's like the story of Orpheus and Eurydice. Like, you know how it ends, but it's always the most compelling when it's acted to the point and, and set to the point where you're like, Oh my God, maybe this time they're going to make it. I was actually mad at you after you told me to download uh, Hades Town. Oh my God, but isn't it so good? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> what? It was it, all right. It was I, all right. <laughs> yeah. 
This must be how people feel when I say I did not care for Dear Evan Hansen. I haven't listened to that one. I don't care for it. <laughs> that is that is the strength of my convictions. I just know it. that one song, and that's it. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, okay, so I think he's got a good voice, and that's what most people like about him. Yeah, he's got a good voice. Um, which all the voices are so good in Hades Town. Oh, they are. They absolutely are. Stop right. listening to us. Screw this podcast. Like, let's just. <laughs> We're just gonna we're we're we're, we're gonna don't yeah. talk about the next half, y'all. We're gonna be I'm, I'm gonna just listening to Hades Town. No, we're not because eh. how very dare you? It was all right. Did you watch it or just listen? I just listened to it, and I've also seen a uh, I've seen a local retelling of the story so i knew the story going in i kept trying to remember how it ended and also luther's been playing the zagreus game hades hades that's the one um and so i was like i'm pretty sure i'm pretty it's the zagreus game i'm pretty sure i know how this ends oh yeah uh speaking of things where the entire cast is like super hot and all the same person (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like everyone is voiced by um, Darren Korb. I'm like, wow. Okay, so this. So this. I think that's all we have for the, um, the older timey. Or the do you costuming's have beautiful. The costuming's um, beautiful. I like seeing how Snow and Red's friendship began. Yes, I they really have enjoyed that. Such good chemistry. Yes, I'm beginning well, to think that it's it's Jennifer Goodwin. She's just got good chemistry with everybody. She's she's just like she's like you know like the Elaine Kibito of television. Oh, oh, oh! That's my old name. Oh, Elaine Paramore. You can say Kibito. Right. I mean, like I said, that's my professional name, uh, or it was my professional name for twenty years. So it's fine. Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> wild to me. That's why it's my middle name now. Uh, all right. So oh, uh, I would be re- I would be remiss if I didn't mention. Um, Special shout out to the best scene of the episode right at the beginning, which is Snow White popping up with two eggs. I like that. Are you stealing eggs? No, not too many. (laughs) I would be remiss if I didn't point out um, Snow as Mary wearing a full face mask at a a public gathering. Yes. (laughs) Come on, COVID safe. Keep those germs away. You don't know where those villagers have been. It is so weird to me when I watch a show set in a modern setting and I see someone at a grocery store without a mask. Yes. I'm just like, what are you doing? Yes. Whenever whenever we were just getting used to all the social distancing, every time people would like get up in each other's faces in shows, I would flinch. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've, I've gotten sort of used to it now because I've been watching How I Met Your Mother. So they're always in each other's faces because they're dating inside the circle every 10 seconds. <laughs> Just the three of them. The so, most incestuous friend group. Mm, on television. Oh, television. Okay. In television since friends. I'm like, I got some friends <laughs> who I have who I've looked in the face and said, "You guys need to date outside the circle." I love yeah. y'all. <laughs> I love y'all. But y'all needed to date outside the circle. <laughs> have you considered? You considered dating someone? Other people. <laughs> No, you have to make your way around the circle. I did, I did not join that circle. Like, look, I'm I'm queer in a small town. I mean, it's it's not a very big circle. <laughs> okay, so 
Uh, where where shall we go next? Costuming's beautiful in the uh, Enchanted Forest. Costuming the, is The blood beautiful. work is good. When she pulls up that bucket from the well and it's just blood. Ugh, Ugh. that tight shot is so gruesome. Ugh. Also, no issues with how anything was filmed. Yeah, all uh, the colors were great. All the Even colors were great. The nighttime Everything shots was- were great. The nighttime shots looked good. They didn't, uh, I, I could not tell if they were shot during the day and color graded tonight mm-hmm. because they looked good and were well done. Everything was just well framed. I was genuinely like super impressed. I've got to give props and also um, a little boo to Granny's security system. Here's why. <laughs> Granny's security system was badass like things came down from the windows, the fireplace got blocked. You know where it didn't come down from? Red's bedroom window. Yeah. Yeah, she should have put bars on the outside. How, like uh, the first you, nightmare on Elm Street. How are you going to keep lock that girl up to keep her from doing stuff and not have a security system on her bedroom window? Well, up until that point, it was only animals that were getting killed. So she was like, Eh. And she also thought, oh, she's absolutely going to wear the hood to bed. She did not. No, she did not. She did not. Um, Okay, so we've talked about this for 35 minutes. Yes. So on to the present, the main plot of this episode. And the main plot of, again, the remainder of the season starts now with the mystery of what happened to Catherine. What happened to Catherine? And like Emma is still like trying to, she's still trusting her superpower, which we've already seen is not trustworthy, but you know, we have to put that aside because she trusted so much. Yes. Because she absolutely believes that David does not recall making this phone call. That's, that's fine. That's good. She lets him go. Doesn't even give him a warning. She's just like, I'll figure it out. Bye. Uh, I, I I love this this kind of character this character choice for Emma of Emma mm-hmm. to have this um, very arcane ability to always tell when people are lying to herself at least, but also all this fairy tale stuff is absolute nonsense. Yes, I I really enjoy she, that conviction. She just magic isn't real except for when I do it. She just thinks she's good at reading people. She's just good at reading people. I also like that she went through the trouble of publicly taking him down to the station during the miners' fair in front of the entire town and then just letting him go after giving him some cocoa. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Normal stuff. I'm so aggravated by how they wrote her sheriffing. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they spent some time in a sheriff's office, and this is how they conduct things. I don't know. Maybe it's normal to not go investigate a car crash until the next morning. Maybe I'm it's so normal to to publicly quasi arrest, but not really arrest someone during a big public scene, letting everyone see it, and then just letting them go home without even like a slap on the hand, warning, anything like that. Maybe that's normal. I mean, she did tell him to get a lawyer. She did tell him to get a lawyer, which I appreciate. Um, Maybe it's normal to send your assistant to go look for a possible crime scene. Yeah, at least she was wearing gloves. At least she was wearing gloves. I, I also like how Mary Margaret, even though they've broken up, is still absolutely checking in on him all the time. Um, Just trying to be a good friend. Yeah. Yep, yep. They just, they only broke up twice. 
Three times? Well, uh, at least twice. Where we had the one that doesn't count and then the one that actually happened. The one yep. that should have been edited out and the one that happened. Um, broke up twice. I'm still, still, again, I want to point out because this did come into play. Like I said, it was would last week because I knew it would. Um, Mary Margaret has an alibi for that night. Yeah. She was with the sheriff crying on her bed yep. the night that Catherine went missing. Yep. Which is where I once again tell these writers to watch your own show. Hey, make a note of that, um, because we're going to be saying that several times during the next few episodes. Watch your own show? Uh, specifically, she has an alibi. Mary Margaret has an alibi. She has a stronger alibi than David does. She was not with David when it happened. She was with Emma. And not in a fugue state. She was not in a fugue state. <laughs> I'm just... Ah, why, why put that scene in there? Why even yep. put it there if you're not going to use it? It's the same problem I have whenever we were doing long form all the time. And there would be this beautiful setup to, that would tie the whole show together if anyone had been paying attention and everyone drops it. Yeah. I mean, that's improv. That's, what, that's what's going to happen. You can't tell what's going on in everyone's brain. What's important to me is not necessarily important to the next person. But there's so many beautiful things that could tie it together or be the thing you're looking for whenever you're trying to get there within that 20 minute timeline and you just drop it. And it makes me sad. And it's like, here's the thing about here's where I'm going. This is not improv. No, you have time to read and review and make sure your story is airtight. And uh, nope. This is a scripted television show with written scripts that have been edited and read by the actors. The actors, I get it, aren't necessarily allowed to question the script writers. But you think the script writers might talk to each other, right? Yeah. And I mean, maybe this is because this is before we reached, you know, the era of peak TV and serialized dramas being the norm. Because I, let's, let's remember that when Once Upon a Time came out, a serialized long-form drama like this was uncommon. Disagree. Criminal Minds had an overarching, they had an overarching thing every every season. Grimm was out at the same time. Um, but I mean, Grimm, I, I always thought, I didn't watch Grimm. I always thought Grimm was, it had an overarching thing, but it was more like Buffy, where it was a monster of the week and then maybe a little bit of the- It was a monster of the week with an overarching theme, like Buffy was. Buffy was yeah. a serialized drama. They did it better. It's like- yeah. Sitcoms, sitcoms have been serialized dramas for longer than serialized dramas have been serialized dramas. I mean, no, people know how to, it was, it was 2011. People knew how to write long form t- stories for TV. I'm over here giving them the benefit of the doubt because and I'm not, <laughs> I want to be able to say, well, you can skip some episodes. Um, <laughs> oh. But really you can only skip Jiminy Cricket and um, the dwarf one. Yeah. The dwarf one barely touches the main plot. Um, it just gets Mary Margaret accepted back into town right before they um, par- they pariah her again. Yeah, you can what, skip the Valentine's the point? episode. What was the point? <laughs> what was the dang point? Um, Ugh, I'm yeah, still mad about it. I'm still mad about it. I'm still mad from last week. I'm just like, I'm like, we have, it hasn't even been like a full season and you're making these continuity errors. Even How I Met Your Mother, which has some big glaring ones all the time, at least has the common decency to not make these glaring errors in the same season. Yeah. This is episode to episode and they're just changing things that they've already established. That's, that's bad improv storytelling. 
The only good thing I have to say about how I met your mother, it's I know you're watching it. Oh. It, it, the only good thing I have to say about how I met your mother, other than Allison Hannigan being in it, oh, yeah. is uh, the actor who plays uh, Robin's father. Oh, yeah, he's great. Is, he's the he's, guy from Twin Peaks. He's the guy from Twin Peaks. He's the dad from Twin Peaks. He plays. Uh, he's, he plays a creepy dad real well. He's great. Oh, you haven't finished Twin Peaks, have you? Mm-mm. Mm, we're gonna do that. Oh no, I got to. I got to a point. Um, I got to a certain point, but then I had to stop watching it because it just got kind of off the rails someone someone in the uh, story writing changed and it was noticeable yeah um but uh oh also jason siegel is a delight to watch all the time uh just in general yes he and Welcome allison to- <laughs> he and allison how i met your mother um <laughs> he and allison Hannigan have great <laughs> chemistry and i like them uh she's another one who has great chemistry with pretty much everybody so uh, yeah that's why i bring her up um, except for Xander. Except for Xander. Um, I'm, listen to us, Fandom Fairy. I'm so she sorry, is... Fandom Fairy. Xander is not worth standing. <laughs> Xander is trash and he will become more trash he's, as the show goes on. He was he's just gonna get worse. There's no redeeming Xander ever. As soon as you think he's about to be redeemed, he face plants again into being an awful, awful person. Listen to us, Fandom Fairy. Do not put your eggs in that basket. <laughs> Okay, for real watching watching you I, i'm just I'm, I'm listen to me i'm speaking directly into your ear right now dear watching you react to this show is getting me through so many work days and making me excited <laughs> to come back and talk about this show with the lady <laughs> you have fruit punch mouth <laughs> you have fruit punch mouth what? <laughs> okay so um so, so what's upon a time oh, an episode that we love of what's upon a time this is such a good episode that's what we don't have anything to rant about um they need to watch really- their own stuff they're poking yeah. holes in their own plot, their own. I love murder mysteries. I love a murder mystery, man. It is my favorite, favorite genre, possibly. I like it more than horror. I, I almost like it more than my crazy sci-fi fantasy dragon stuff. I love a murder mystery. I love puzzles. And they are doing this so badly. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still compelled by it. I'm still fascinated it's, by it. It's only a murder mystery to the people in the show, right? Because we yeah. all know as the viewer that it's Regina. Yeah, I mean, we know it's got to be Regina. We know it's the- Regina because it's the curse. Yes. All of us know that. So I get real irritated every time Regina like pops in and fusses at Emma to do her own job when she's doing her job by not telling you things. Mm-hmm. Like she's doing her job, Madam Mayor. Maybe you're just not used to being a person in the real world. Uh, Yeah, that. Who controls everybody. This is the one person in town she can't control. Yep. Everyone at well. And now August. Yeah. And she, uh, she, oh, August. What's a lemur? Oh, it's a little animal. You're a writer? <laughs> Sorry. Um, that, that just made me. Writers angry. wrote, writers wrote this writer not being able to explain what things. What are lemurs? Well. well, they're little animals. Really? <laughs> and he says something about their big eyes that refract light. But, uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, if you, if you were to ask me what a lemur is, I'd be like, have you seen Zabumafu? <laughs> I don't know that one either. They're like little monkeys, but cuter. Uh, if you, how, how does things get cuter than a little monkey? Have you seen a lemur? There, that's my explanation. It's like, um, what if you, what if you like put, if you, if you like. They're marsupials though, right? If, if, if yeah, if a, if a, a raccoon and a oh, monkey yeah. did a gym fusion. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Um, okay. So, so after he's immediately <laughs> after he leaves 
the station. Apparently he goes into this fugue state and Mary Margaret decides to go looking for clues for Catherine herself. Cause that's smart. When someone's missing, what you want to do is create a search party of one and possibly tramp all over evidence. Don't do that. That's, that's I mean, my advice. That's my advice to people is don't do that. Um, it just makes you look suspicious. Uh, so she runs into David, who is also looking, which makes more sense to him. He's it's it's his wife. You know, he's a, not a suspect, but a suspect. And um, she gives him this whole pep talk about how it's OK. They're going to find him. And all he keeps saying is, I'm looking. And he's obviously dazed and distressed. Um, and she goes and reports this to Emma. So he's wandering the woods. And we reveal later that he had he didn't remember. He remembered leaving the station and then he woke up in the woods, assuming Emma had brought him there. Yep. Whenever Emma and Ruby find him unconscious, they bring him to um, evil Dr. Phil Collins. Evil Dr. Phil Collins who's is there. Super rude. Um, he got that, he got a two two whole appearances in this episode, and he's still super rude about it. That's just him. I yeah. think that this actor plays that douchebag guy really, really well. Yeah. But he, he makes a comment that, yeah, he could go into these this blackout thing. He did it after his coma. When he came out of his coma, he just wandered around aimlessly till they found him in a creek. Well, and lu- he, hmm? Luckily, this is not just episode padding. It will become very important in the next few episodes. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> at all. It doesn't get mentioned again. It just had to happen, I guess. Mm-hmm. It has to happen at least a couple times to explain his phone call and why he's in the woods right now. Uh, and then he miraculously recovers. Um, yep. And uh, in these fugue states, he's like, yeah, people can hold conversations. They can cook. You couldn't even know they were in fugue states until they come out of it. So now, now David's freaked out thinking, oh, my God, not only did I kidnap her, but I might have even murdered her in my fugue state and not known about it. And everyone's trying to calm him down and not even Dr. Whale's like, whoa, too far. And then Regina runs in. Hold on. I love how Regina barges in because it's so funny. Why doesn't this man have a lawyer? She jumps to conclusion. She's like, stop talking. Why doesn't this man have a lawyer? Have you even read him his rights? And she's and was like, no, because he's not under arrest. And it's almost like she's like, why not? <laughs> it's almost like this scene was probably written to be set at the police station. And then at the last minute, they decided to have it in the hospital. Ah, I don't know. I still I still feel like... I don't know if that's the case, but that would make a lot more sense. You I know st- what I mean? I still feel like it made sense for the hospital, but I remember feeling so annoyed for Emma because every time she's like just trying to be a person, be a member of the community, and also do her job, Regina comes in and tells her to do her job. Regina just came in and insinuated that David should be arrested. Um, And then she's like, oh, well, maybe you should find my friend and stop trying to place blame. Excuse me, uh, bitch. Who's doing what now? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, uh, by figuring out what happened to your friend, we'll be able to find her. (laughs) Though this did lead to the best sassy comeback where Emma says, well, there's a whole lot of remain to search Regina. And Regina's like, well, you covered this room. That made me laugh. And I suggest you branch out. Uh, I was like, dang, she's awful. (laughs) 
She's just awful. And it makes me mad for Emma because she is legitimately trying to do her job because she, you know, what, what are you doing here? Why are you in the hospital? She's like, because I just found this man in the woods and brought him here, much like you did when you found him. Luke? <laughs> Miss emergency contact. She's still his emergency contact. Or again, his emergency contact because his wife is missing. Yes. <laughs> Which I didn't know that's how emergency contacts worked. It just regressed to the last previous emergency contact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I like how she's both trying to defend him and also get him arrested at the same time. Yeah, it's like, which one Which one are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so he gets released from the hospital and he goes straight to work to talk to Mary Margaret. Does that make sense? Uh, where do we want to go next? Um, I think because we, we have to talk about some other stuff before we get back to him talking to Mary Margaret. Um, I want to talk to a little bit about how organic the fight actually felt for me. Like it... The fight between uh, Ruby and and Granny. Oh, that's a that's a legitimate power struggle fight. That felt really real. Yeah, felt really organic. Um, her panic, <laughs> her panic anger mm-hmm. was. I I have I have had that fight before in my life. I never I've even seen a lemur. <laughs> yep. Uh, What's a lemur? I don't think it's during this fight. It's a later one uh, when the when Granny says she's dressed like a drag queen during Fleet Week. I, I missed that one. I shut down. I had to pause the episode because it was, was that this episode. It was. I swear it was this episode. I don't think that was this episode because I don't remember them having a fight again after oh, this okay. one well, like maybe. that. But yeah, Granny tells her she dresses like a drag queen during Fleet Week. And I was like, that is so specific. And also, it's one of those little things about this show mm-hmm. where it's really not clear how stuck in time they are. Yeah. I mean, they've been stuck there since the 80s. Because that makes it sound like Granny has Logo TV and has been watching Drag, wa- drag Race. Yes. Which... I, need, I think does feel in character. I do need you to explain something to me so I don't have to Google it later. Uh-huh. What's Fleet Week? I don't know. <laughs> I just assume that's when all the sailors come in. <laughs> San Francisco Fleet Week celebrates the Bay Area naval tradition. Yeah, it's 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 a celebration for the for the Navy. All right. I love it. We learned some history today. I yeah, I don't know enough about this. I'm just like it just was such a weird and specific insult. That's amazing. Good job. I love Granny. I love Granny I like, so much. I was like, it's something gay, and that's foreshadowing. I like that, how uh, Ruby like, is a bi icon. I like how uh, everyone's personalities change a little bit from Once Upon a Time to Storybrooke, except for Granny's. Yeah, no, she's just, that's just how she is. Another thing I love about Granny is her, she doesn't, you know, her arm hurts during the full moon where her scars are. Yeah. Her scars hurt, her scars hurt during the full moon. Always do. Like Like That's just odd. Like, it feels like an odd thing to happen in the our world thing. It makes sense. If Ruby's still got her sense of smell and hearing, I'm assuming smell too. That yeah. Granny would still have some lingering effects of the moon, too. <laughs> Thank God she hasn't gone around killing anybody. Ooh, ooh, I do want to point out, in the first um, present time 
opening shot where mm-hmm. they're they're opening up to the um the diner that night mm-hmm. it the scene starts with a wolf howling i didn't catch that i did good <laughs> job starts with a wolf howling we know there's a wolf running around mm-hmm. r.i.p graham we've seen the wolf mm-hmm. yeah, rest in peace it's a much graham. smaller wolf yeah oh uh, uh, throwing back to that the wolf looked pretty good when it was on screen oh yeah yeah no that was a scary wolf they they saved their budget for they they used their budget where they needed to and they obviously yeah. got more budget after they got picked up after those first five episodes came out because uh in just a few episodes we'll be going to wonderland uh-oh is that and, already uh, yeah is that that's season episode one? 17 that's season one we go to Wonderland briefly in episode 17. Oh, dear. And uh, the CGI for that is not as good. Well, it's not pra- there's not as much practical. Yeah, it, it, it looks rough. Oh, it's pink screen. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, red quitting was not surprising during that fight. You're right. That, that yeah. fight that they have where, especially whenever Granny's like, I want you to start working Saturday nights. And that's... Red's like going out night. She's young and she's vivacious. And that's, they have an agreement about Saturday nights, but that's when Granny does the books and that's what she wants to teach her. She's young. She's vivacious. She wears nighttime makeup looks during the daytime and makes it work. Mm -hmm. She's a single lady who wants to have fun in this do nothing town. She can rock a beret. She can. Oh my gosh. Her non waitress looks are so good. Everything she wears, I'm like, Best dress. I want that. I want that outfit. Her leather pants and her little sweater, so good. I want every one of her outfits. I'm yeah. like, I would wear that. I would yeah. wear that. I would wear that. Yeah. You would wear all of the same things, but in blue. I could wear, no. I've, you or know cranberry. I, you know I wear red. Again, I say it. You can wear all the other colors. Mm-hmm. Red is mine. <laughs> you look good in everything. Let me keep red. <laughs> it's not true. Sometimes there are certain shades of champagne that just look like my skin tone. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Stop being so attractive and popular. I laughed from my belly and my my tummy muscles right underneath marshmallow were like, "No." <laughs> Pregnancy's weird, y'all. <laughs> all right. So, uh, all of the outfits are really good. Her sense of style's great. I love that Henry shows up. There's this fun moment where Henry is trying to help her find a new job. And he's like, how about a bike messenger? She's like, what's a bike messenger do? Well, you bring people, you bring messages to people on a little bike with a basket. She's like, mm, no, I can't really ride a bike. He's like, well, how about just like a, a walking messenger then? Well, what would I do then? Well, then you'd bring people things in a little basket, but walking. And she's like, that's not a job. And that's exactly <laughs> what she's doing in previous episodes. She's bringing, uh, she's bringing Snow White monthly rations in a little yes. basket on foot. <laughs> I love that that little tie-in to her past. Also, later she's getting lunch for everyone, like, repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And it's so clearly, it's a scene of, like, Henry trying to find Snow White, uh, uh, Red Riding Hood-related things for her to do. Well, well, Emma asked her to do that. Emma asked her to go get lunch. And then Granny, like, zings her. She's like, oh, oh no. so you're, you're picking up lunch for everybody. That's different. <laughs> No, I meant like the job search itself. Oh, yeah. Henry's like, you could deliver things. Yeah. Uh, Henry's like, I know who you are. And yeah, whenever he tells him, oh, yeah, you can give her plenty of stuff to do. She's Little Red Riding Hood. Like, matter of factly, like everyone knows that this is what Little Red Riding Hood does. She's like, 
You mean with the little basket and the hood? Yeah, sounds like a real badass. Oh yeah, she's so super cool. She just doesn't know it. She doesn't even <laughs> remember it. I was like, hey Henry, Emma hasn't read that book. Yeah, like... Also, Emma, it's time to read that book. Emma, it's really past time to it read that book. It is past time to read this book. He's going to keep referencing these people. You might as well figure out ahead of him who everyone is. Read right. the book, Emma. It's locked in your office now. Your mm-hmm. station. It's in mm-hmm. a desk of your station. Why are there so many desks in this station with only one employee? You know what? That's a good question, and I'm sure we'll answer it eventually. <laughs> oh, because there used to be two. R.I.P. Graham. But even then, he was the only one before she came to town. Rest in peace, Graham, and your sex genes. Oh, wait, no, that's the other that's the other property he's famous for. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I Uh, will never get over the sex genes. I can't. I never read those books. I didn't watch those movies. I'm sure I will eventually whenever I run out of things to audiobook from the library. (laughs) I'm doing the diviners now. Anywho, anyway, on task. We are so we off task, task, especially me. I'm so off task today. That's I think it's the, uh, when we record when I get off work instead of like on a Sunday, Ooh. I'm like, woof. When we record uh, on a work day instead of a Sunday, we're recording on a day where I haven't spoken to anyone but the cats all day. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're, it's very easy for me to get off topic as well. Same, same. <laughs> In uh, Hazels, um, yeah, I so, think we need to get to the, the, the so, big reveal. Well, well, the you know Emma here's she she randomly answers the phone because the phone goes to the answering service if it's not a if it's not an emergency call, right? So yeah. Emma walks in as Ruby is just like bored, so answering phone calls and like helping people out with their non emergency situations, like, oh, that's not a prowler, that's Doctor Hopper's dog Pongo. Yeah, just give him a Nilla wafer, and he'll and he'll he'll be on his way. Like that's super helpful advice for this dog who keeps peeking in someone's window. Dr. Hopper, bring your dog in. Good, good thought. Good thought. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, throughout the episode, she's, like, doubting herself. Oh, my God. I got, much- so, I got aggravated with her because she was just starting to feel confident about herself. And I guess I was mad at Granny because Granny shut her down. Um, yeah. And she just became, she became, like, me at my worst when everything I do is going to fail. Why am I even bothering to try? And that's probably why it irritated me because I recognized them as my own mental intrusive thoughts. Um, I'm just going to screw this up. I'm just going to ruin everything. And then she immediately hears David in the woods. Mm -hmm. Immediately. Yes. Um, Emma hasn't heard a thing and she's like, you can't hear him. He's over there and just walks right to him. uh, Unconscious on the ground. As David and does. It's just like, I, I get that it makes more sense for her to hear that, for her to hear him. Mm-hmm. Than to but, smell him. Than to smell him. But she should have smelled him instead of heard him. Oh, yeah. He's wearing not a leather, he's wearing not a leather jacket. A, uh, not because it's a wolf thing, but because he is on the ground unconscious. Yes. Not moving and not making any noises. I guess she heard him breathing, raggedy. Yeah. It's just like, what? And she recognized it was him immediately. Yeah. Uh, and and Emma recognizes that she has this innate sense. And so since she is busy doing Emma things, I guess, or she's, oh, she was at the hospital still. She was at the hospital. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to leave David yet. When she, she didn't calls. Want, she wanted to head off Regina. 
Yeah. When she when she calls Ruby. And this is another one of my things where I'm like, what what year is this set in? Because mm-hmm. I know that for Emma, it's the present day, but everything else in the town is kind of locked in the 80s, except everyone has cell phones. Oh, yeah. You know, Magical Curse has to let some things in. Yeah. Yes. They have, they, they have the internet. The people with the shops can get stuff to li- shipped to them somehow. No one ever comes to Storybrooke except for, I guess... Amazon. Yeah. They don't stay long. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, he, uh, she, she tells, go take my bug. Just go take it right now. Not the official car. Cause she's got it. Take the bug. Last time he was in a fugue state that we found him. He went to the toll bridge. Go see if he left anything <laughs> there. And the whole time she's like, this is stupid. What am I even going to find? Hey, what's this board doing? Let me dig under it. And like I said, thank God she was wearing gloves. Thank God she was wearing gloves and also very much like, okay, maybe I'm not looking for adventure because I just found a whole damn heart. Yeah. Emma was my lemur. (laughs) Emma was my lemur. Emma was my lemur. (laughs) Yeah. I, I like that she recognizes that about herself. Yes, she's good at it. Yes, she has a knack that is helpful, but it does not bring her joy. And so it must go. But working at the diner brings her joy. And I'm glad she found that in herself. Because not everyone has to have a successful high-stress career to be happy. Exactly. And not that owning a business is not a no, yeah. stressful job. She doesn't own but it yet. Yeah. But yeah, but there's nothing wrong with doing what makes you happy instead of what you're good at, if that I, makes sense. I had a whole conversation with a friend of mine the other day about how if it paid a decent standard of living... I probably wouldn't have left cashiering because I enjoyed it so much. It made oh me happy god. to talk to people all day. Oh my god. I know. You, it takes different mutant. types. I know. I like I love I love how little I have to interact with people in my job. Yeah. Um, except through a screen. It makes me so happy. That was that was the hardest part of transitioning from working in a grocery store in a like a neighborhood where I knew a lot of people. Um, to my first desk job was getting used to seeing only four people a day. My favorite, my favorite desk job day is whenever um, it's like a holiday mm-hmm. or the day before a holiday. So okay. like almost everyone takes the day off <laughs> and then I go into work and it's like, just like me. Yeah. And I get so much done because nobody talks to me. It's the best. Look, don't get me wrong. I like the dress code for my work from home slash yeah. my bathrobe. But I do miss, I need a break. Let me go talk to the front desk, everyone in the front office, just for 10 minutes so that I can get back to work. I don't have that. Mm. <laughs> it becomes Twitter. And then I post things like how my brain always mixes up the song Chattahoochee and Louisiana Saturday Night without fail every time. Oh, no, but I see that. That makes sense. It makes so much sense. <laughs> They're the same song. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, um, Ch- Chattahoochee is the superior song. But I, I guess they're the same song. Yeah, but one is better. I don't know. I couldn't tell you because even when I listen to both songs separately, my brain still is like, oh, those are the same song and keeps blending them the exact same way. So well, I, I can't have an opinion on it because they're the same song to my brain. But Elaine, you and I have been friends long enough. Oh yeah, um, you're one of the people. You've now, you've now unlocked this part of my backstory. But uh, Chattahoochee is my go-to karaoke song. Did you, did you not sing that at my birthday? 
Pretty sure I did. You may have sung that at my birthday. And my, no, if if I had, you would remember it because you might have gone home before the karaoke started. Yeah, because I that have was a, the I, night I that was the night I met the man who became my husband. Yeah. Oh yeah, I went home before the karaoke started. <laughs> you went home before the karaoke started. Um, um, so we're talking. I have to be sufficiently sufficiently drunk to sing uh, in public I like don't. that. I don't. That's once again. That's how it's one of those things where how I know that I'm more of an extrovert than introvert. I'm a I'm a straight down the middle ambivert. But <laughs> you know, I've been in a lot of musicals for someone that hates singing yeah. in public. Yeah, I I I pointed that out to a friend of mine that I was like, you know, before I got into like the actual behind the scenes theater stuff, I thought that most people who acted in plays were extroverts. No. Turned to find out, a lot of y'all are introverts. Oh my god! The second the show is over, I'm like, "Don't talk to me." I've been another human being for the last two hours. Meanwhile, don't, look, don't perceive me. Meanwhile, I'm like, I want that post show hangout. I want to go get food. I want to talk about what went what went good and what went bad, but mostly about what went good. <laughs> I want to talk. Uh, you know, maybe maybe it's also partially some of the shows I've done because, like, you know, the suicide play uh, or the one about you know gay bashing or the one about you uh, have been a whole lot of plays where you died. Oh my god. Especially named Jeff. You ended up in a whole lot of plays where Jeff died. <laughs> Except for the one play where Jeff didn't die. But you were great in urine town. I did like the one where I was Jeff and I was dead, but I was on stage for most of the show as a ghost. I like the one where you were were you Jeff in the one where you didn't die? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked that one. I was Jeff in title of show. That's a good one. That's a good good one. Hey, uh, how about this episode? How about this episode? No, we're think- almost done. We are almost done. Um, so, yeah. so Ruby, Ruby decides that she's had she's had enough of adventure. It doesn't bring her joy, even though she's good at it. To uh, I, I like how she puts it, um, where the best, you know, the mm-hmm. most successful part of your day ruins someone else's. Yeah. And she just wants to be happy and make other people happy, and she can do that at the diner. And I respect that. Because like Did I was Ruby saying, just say ACAB? <laughs> sorry, <laughs> as you were saying, as I interrupt you, and I respect that because, again, if these jobs weren't looked down on and paid a respectable wage, they are important jobs. Feeding people is an important job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she she gets to know her community this way. It makes her happy and she likes talking to people. And uh, it gave us a chance to see August this episode. Would would you describe feeding people not only as an important job, but an essential job? I would. Would you say that that essential job deserves a, a living wage? I absolutely would. A comfortable well, you heard one. it here first, folks. Um, Elaine Paramore says, workers of the world unite! <laughs> Rise up! Of course I do. My husband is an essential worker. (laughs) I I am not an essential worker. Yeah, no. I I love the work I do, but I'm not essential. Uh, What I do is important in a sense, but it's not essential. Uh, My job is to remind people to use their library on Twitter. That's more essential than mine. I love my job. I love my job, by the way. I love my job too. I love my job, but it's not essential. Uh, 
But because I could work from home, I also didn't have to stop during the pandemic. So yes. That. Uh, and so she, you know, granny, they, they have a sweet lovey dovey moment. Granny says she's proud of her. So she's going to give her, she wants her to take on the family business whenever she retires. I like that. She says when she retires and not when she dies, because granny's never going to die. Granny is immortal. Granny is immortal. I know it. She can feel it in her bones, specifically in her left arm. <laughs> but only during the full moon. But only during the full moon. And um, and that's our, that's how Ruby gets her job back. And that's how Stella got her job back. So, going back to the vet. Meanwhile, in the high-tension scene that I believe was in the episode preview. Which is, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, not in this one. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, um, David's freaking out that he po- probably killed his wife. Yeah. And Mary Margaret's like, no, we'll get to the bottom of this. You could never. And Emma walks in to say, hey, we found a human heart and we're going to run some tests. But there's only one person missing in town, which, by the way, ignores the fact that people have died previously in this town. Yeah. Yeah. It could be anyone's dead heart. Uh, Just saying. But I guess it's fresh. So who knows? Um, Yeah. We don't see the heart. We don't see the heart. And David's immediately like, take me in, lock me up, arrest me. And she's like, no, no, it's, we're, we're not going to do that. And I like how Mary Margaret says to Emma, I think you should go now because she's going to comfort David. I was like, that is not your place. Yep. Now, learn, learn your place, mom. Now, I have a few problems with this heart in a box thing. Yeah. Um, we have Henry around who knows that hearts in boxes is somebody's very specific MO. Very, but he's not in this scene. And he, he wasn't around when the box got found. He was with his mom. It was late at night. Yeah. And I guess no one said, Hey, 10 year old. No, she on a box with a human heart in it. Definitely did not call the son of the mayor to update him about the heart shaped box. Oh, which is a great Joe Hill novel. It's actually his weakest. It's a song. Hey. Um, also the box is obviously Regina's. <laughs> We've seen yeah. this. We have we the viewer have seen this box before. R.I.P. Graham. Even though it's established <laughs> that no, it's actually Mary's jewelry box later. Oh, is Mary's jewelry box later? It looked like it looked like one of those boxes. Yeah, it's that makes the sense. next episode. They're like, okay. oh, this is Mary's you know jewelry what? box. My bad. I haven't seen the heart shaped box in a while. Um, I haven't yeah, seen it. It does look it, like uh, that though. It does look like one of her boxes. Oh, but you know and, what? It would make sense if it was her jewelry box because who did she live with for part of her life? Yep. That would make sense. Yep. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's it's actually Mary Margaret's fingerprints on the inside. So now she has to arrest the person who she was with on the bed the night that Catherine went missing. Yeah, you know. The alibi. You're her alibi. But here's the here's her other confusing part. Yes, she's her alibi, but how convenient is that? Yeah, and convenient they is a bit. it. They will lampshade it a bit. I'll talk about it next time. Okay, I haven't. We're going to watch it tonight. They don't do a very good job of lampshading it at all. It's a very sideways, like, oh, they don't want me to show favoritism. I'm like, but you're literally her alibi. You're literally, you live with her. You're literally her roommate. You're her alibi. You were with her that night. You were home with her. I almost threw my tablet. (laughs) Right now or during the show? During the show. Oh. I was so mad. I'm excited to watch it. We're watching that one next. Uh, we'll watch it's it tonight, a good one. probably. It's a good one. So, 
So yeah, and that's their big dun 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 moment at the end of this episode, um, where it's Mary Margaret, and I'm just so mad because she has an alibi that we all saw. It was very sad, and it made us feel sad, and they should feel sad mm-hmm. for what they've done to me, mm-hmm. to me specifically. Uh, that scream was that scene was just emotional blackmail. Yeah. Um, why why put things in your show if you're not going to use them? Yeah. That's how I feel about that. Why put things in your show if you're just not going to use them? You're just wasting film. Speaking of things in the show that are good. Yes. Best dressed. Oh, everything Ruby does all the time. Uh, yeah. Ruby and red. Ruby and red. Every Ruby or red outfit is really good. But I think my favorite is when she's doing her job hunt. Yeah. Her job search. I love her little hat. Um, Her makeup is so tight in that Mm -hmm. scene. I'm just like. Oh my god, if I could do my eyes that well. Yeah. It's just practice. Uh, also a professional makeup team. Yeah, that's true. That that probably helps is having someone who is like a professional. Having a professional makeup. makeup team. Hey, we record uh, a lot more in depth though when I'm not doing makeup during a podcast. We sure do. Please never do that again. I have I was very specifically <laughs> Asked by Lay to never do that again. I sent Mads I a, I sent Mads a message after the last episode. I was like, "Hey, please never do that again." I was trying to be really calm about it, but I was pretty frustrated. <laughs> and me, I'm oblivious. I'm like, "But I looked pretty." You did. You um, always look pretty. You're so I, pretty, though. I am. That's because I'm your pretty friend. Yeah. And you're my pretty friend. We're pretty friend. Speaking of your pretty friends. Oh, wait, we got to review the episode first. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, that's a good one. I got to make that Excel doc sheet. How many, uh, uh, let's see, hearts and (laughs) boxes. How many uh, disembodied human hearts and boxes out of five would you give this one? Oh, I give this one five. This was a good episode. Like I said, plot element things that piss me off aside. The episode itself was good. They did a good job with the reveal. They did a good job with the backstory. Same. This is a five out of five for me. This was granny. Granny is kind of intense in the best way. And I love her. This episode was so compelling. I had to watch the next one and the next one. Yep. Yes. So, yeah. So now this has been a, your pretty friends, your pretty friend production. Just, just one pretty friend. It's both of us. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The two of us together make one pretty friend. Yours. Wonder friend powers activate. (laughs) Yes, we are your pretty friend. Um, yeah, this has been a Your Pretty Friend production. Uh, if you enjoy the show, we don't ask anything from you except for leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. As long as they let your review, Spotify. Spotify! It does not have a review um, feature on it. I don't think yeah. uh, the Google one does either. what i've been told so not everyone does reviews but if you listen on one of those platforms that does let you review please leave us a nice one say something nice about us um if you can't review uh just tell your friends tell your friends about us why why won't you tell your friends about us are you ashamed of me ashamed of us i know i just want to say hi to ashley who uh, is an improv friend of ours who discovered via a Facebook post I made that we have a podcast and is now watching along with us and frustrated by our slow pace. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Thanks, Ashley. (laughs) 
Uh, we <laughs> wish we could. Rec- we we do wish we re- we could record and edit this every week, but that is not doable. We've barely been able to make it every two weeks as is, but we're trying. We got to get. A, we're gonna get a backlog because both of us have big plans this summer. Yes. Yes. I'm getting married for real this time. You better. We're looking at <laughs> we're looking at venues this weekend. So. Yay! And yes. I'm, I'm gonna become a mom. Yes. Which you've always been our stage mom. I've always been a mom to my. I've been mom friend for so long that it's time I put these skills to use and um, try to mold a, a person from birth because of with it, which is terrifying. Yeah, I imagine. Um, I think you got it. You probably you probably won't. And I mean. You can't mess them up too bad. Uh, like, uh, you're bound to do better than... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if my parents could raise a mostly healthy human... Your mom's lovely. And also me. I'm talking about my brother as the, the healthy... <laughs> Your mom's healthy lovely. One. I love her. My mom's lovely. <sighs> okay, so... <laughs> Pregnant pause. <laughs> so... That said, this has been Story Broke. Miserably ever after. don't know how to end shows do we we really don't we just keep babbling i'm so off track this week <laughs> <laughs>